So before we go, as you guys know, it's Friday. It's almost the weekend. And if you're a football fan, I'm sure you're looking forward um, to college game day on ESPN tomorrow. But last weekend is where it was. Um, there was one sign that went insanely viral. Carson King, a 24-year-old from Iowa, held up a sign looking for some money for beer. You see it right there. And he added his Venmo account, which was genius. And he got more than he could have ever imagined. So I'm here. I'm joined with Carson King right now. Uh, Carson, this story is incredible. People have been going crazy about this story. Um, so tell us what happened. People have always told me I have a sixth sense of humor. What do you say to that? I assume it's relative. Who are you comparing me to? Carrot Top? Then yeah, I'm a little blue. To my circle of friends, I'm tame. My sister's off the charts. That's amazing. I play practical jokes on her constantly, though. I got her so good a few weeks ago. I replaced her pepper spray with silly string. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us. Um, incredible that you decided to do something on a whim, and now it's turned into something really beautiful. everybody to rock hard caucus this is episode number six my god six already we made it past five six yeah that's this is a real show now we've made it over the hump i think we should be proud (laughs) oh yeah sure i'm proud of justin he's put in quite a bit of hard work (laughs) 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 well i'm proud of you guys as well uh i'm i'm justin i'm here with chuck hello Natalie hey. and Evan. Hey. Today is going to be a kind of sports themed episode, but before we get into that super important topic, uh our friends Evan and Natalie, they attended an event last Saturday after we recorded episode five. Uh this is the Iowa Steak Fry, a very important event for the Democratic presidential candidates, 17 of whom attended and spoke at the event, and I think about 12,000 people attended. Truly a ridiculous circus. They even have a huge tent. Really. They have fat heads of the politicians that they dance with. Nice. It's essentially a big circus or a pep rally, uh, and it sucks really bad, and I hate it. (laughs) I had a fat head when I was young in my room on the wall of uh, Ladanian Tomlinson for some reason, and it's very funny for me to think about like <laughs> having a big Pete Buttigieg on the wall in your bedroom. <laughs> it's life size. You just wake up and the first thing you see is Mayor Pete there, standing and smiling at you with his hands clasped like that, like Lucky Luciano. <laughs> <laughs> So up until the moment we parked, I was asking them if we could just like turn around and go to Jethro's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you mentioned my name first. Really, it was just it was Natalie and Cooper, and I tagged along as their large adult son. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was both of them just following me. <laughs> I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in events where there's like that many people around, and it's just like a it's insane. There's like. All right, so like when you first get to, it's at the Waterworks Park, which is like on the south side of Grays Lake, on the south side of Des Moines, and like there's just like signs, like there's like a bunch of like little like frontage roads that go like to the park, 
and it's just like a huge maze of signs and like it was all like amy klobuchar pete Buttigieg, and beto those were the three that had the absolute most presence there i mean there are a ton of warren people too but like as far as signs it was just like it was all and like cory booker too i guess yeah i've read that the uh warren and sanders campaigns didn't focus so much on signs they were doing more like organizing canvassing kind of stuff yeah it was so great every time we didn't see bernie signs i was like he's not sending his volunteers out there to break their fucking backs can you imagine walking with hundreds of signs and just putting him down every two feet Hmm. like well he clearly doesn't put a bunch of stock in this which is good this is why he's going to lose not enough signs not enough assholes walking around dancing and clapping and and holding signs yeah so which candidates did you guys see speak well cory booker was talking when we first and then we heard Warren. Uh, Warren started her speech talking about how great the U.S. Constitution is and then started talking about the Mueller report. Oh, God. That was her uh, her two bangers to begin. Come on, Liz. Just launching right in. You got to play the hits, Launching folks. right into the stuff that really matters. <laughs> and then she goes into her wealth tax. Okay. Which is like such a good example of a framing that I hate where she's like, every dollar over $50 million will tax at two cents. They won't even notice crowd goes fucking wild it's like no i want them to notice <laughs> yeah yeah i want them to hurt and feel pain every every cent we take from them i want them to cry over <laughs> yeah and so by this time we had uh, linked up with like the sanders people off of the bus and so we were heading towards the stage to like replace because bernie was the next person up and so we were trying to like replace the warren supporters around the stage mm-hmm. um and we were walking and she started talking about unions and the guy next to us was like Oh, so why do you cross picket lines then? <laughs> Referring to Elizabeth Warren crossing a, a hotel picket line. Like recently. Um, for her like campaign staff. Yeah, recently. And last like this campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is yep. not not really a cool thing to do, Liz. No. Like she gives a fuck. <laughs> like, <I know. laughs> like she's ever give the fuck about anything like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's great. You know, it doesn't matter though because uh, according to everybody, uh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are basically the same candidate. You know, that's why the media covers them exactly the same. (laughs) I think we covered this on our last episode. (laughs) A little more politely than we're doing. Yeah, we're starting to get real salty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so it was me with two very large men trailing me all around that we were. Oh yeah, I'm a big boy. (laughs) And so we went back into the staging area. When we walk back there, there's a Pete Buttigieg lady in the Bernie section who has, is sitting on the ground and has staked out a five-by-five-foot square that no one is allowed to step in. <laughs> and every time a Bernie person shifts into it, she's like, "I this is my space. <laughs> like, people were actually honoring that yeah bernie supporters don't respect people's personal space they don't well we don't respect private property like that yeah exactly <laughs> so what what do you think this lady had to gain from doing that was she like recording anything while she was in there like waiting for someone to like pick a fight with her the p people were like staging like they had like signs like they had their signs like all held they like were they were super tall signs. signs yeah they were rehearsing like their sign dances to do when like Pete. Came oh yeah out. did you watch that video i sent you last night of them like clapping along to that uh panic at the disco song oh my god yeah they, all the entrances <laughs> to the state uh, to the steak fry which we didn't see of course but like all of the videos of them are are with like amy klobuchar and pete Buttigieg and yeah kamala was uh had the 
uh, the drum line. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's oh. just fucking sad, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck it, I love it. This is cool. This is man. what politics is. Yeah, <laughs> this is doing politics here. This is why so much stock gets put in debates is because it's nothing but theater, and the steak fry is just more of that. It's exactly that. It, no one cares, dude. Like the, each candidate speaks for literally five minutes. Yeah, like how are you supposed to understand? How are you supposed to understand someone's position and like reach anybody that doesn't already have a hard on for you in fucking five minutes? Like, yeah. Do you think that someone like Bernie can explain the co- fucking complexity of a universal healthcare system and like implementing it, maintaining it in fucking five minutes on top of everything else he has to talk about? No. People just want bullet no. points. Well, no one wants to hear that either. <laughs> like, unfortunately. You're talking for fucking like 30, 40 seconds at a time. Like, how can you map out the complexity of anything important in that short amount of time? Yeah. It's it's stupid. Like, I, I can't remember where I was listening to it, but, um, okay, I'm going to tell you, I've listened to one episode of Joe Rogan, and it was when Bernie <laughs> was on there. Yeah. I mentioned, I believe he mentioned in the UK how the candidates have like 20 solid minutes of airtime that is like required uh to be provided to them by law mm-hmm. over in the uk during elections because they they bring up sort of how um erratic the american televised debates are and i mean that's that's all it is i mean you've got commercials 30 seconds you've got stage time 30 40 seconds take five five minutes uh state fair when i was there back in 2015 and there was uh all the people that were running for the Republican chair, they would talk for probably five, ten minutes or so. Some talked longer than others. I remember Ben Carson talked for a very long time, uh, and he was very sweaty, and it was very hot out. <laughs> um, I did not get to see Trump talk while I was there. Um, I saw Ted Cruz while I was there. Um, all of them were very sweaty and crammed into these very starchy suits and had these like very high collars and looked very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, you kind of glossed over this. Did you see Ben Carson speak? Yeah. What was that like? So, he, <laughs> I couldn't hear him very well. Um, <laughs> That's in character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, couldn't, I was kind of near the back. Uh, it, it was much, much shoot about nothing. He talked about healthcare and like uh, how it's, you know, needs to be more affordable and needs to be more accessible. He talked about China very briefly. Uh, it, it was just, I was paying, paying very little attention to what he was saying at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly yeah. because my brain was boiling inside of my skull. I think it was like in the mid to low 90s that day. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Uh, so back to the present. Uh, the steak fry thing was all outside, right? Yes. Yeah. It was all outside at the Waterworks Park, which is pretty, it's pretty big. It was kind of like a rainy day too, yeah? Yeah, it was very overcast. So it was starting to mist a little bit. It did uh, start raining a little bit while we were there, but we were luckily under a tent when it started but well not really but my big boys get hot <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they appreciated the mist but i felt by them an ice cream. <laughs> i got my uh bernie shirt and i um put it on over my collared shirt and i popped my collar <laughs> over I see. that's wow. a good look if you can pull it off <laughs> i was told i wasn't doing the bernie campaign any favors but <laughs> you know <laughs> We got up next near the stage when Bernie started speaking and we were facing like all the people in who had like been there probably since 10 a.m. who had gotten lawn chairs to sit in front of the stage. Mostly older folks, I'd say. People love lawn chair. And Bernie's (laughs) his speech was just, you know, getting through the hits real quick, you know, (laughs) like like you said about, you know, you can't go into any actual detail. But I was just sitting there watching their expressions the people in the crowd and and they were just ashen face just 
Blake <laughs> stares. There was like tepid applause on a couple lines, but for the most part, I don't know. It felt a little disheartening. Bernie's finished. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bernie's finished <laughs> because of the steak fry. The people who probably already hated him anyway. Exactly. Yeah, the kind of people that would spend all day at this thing. Every year it happens. You know, they're not really the kind of people who would be on our side, I assume. Oh, yeah, and it's a big thing. No. It's from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and 17 candidates speak throughout the day. Yeah, do they do this in off years? It's insane. When there aren't presidential elections? I have no idea. Yeah, Natalie, do you know if this is just a campaign season thing or if it's every year? I don't know, but I am loving to imagine the sad-ass steak fry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah an off year. Midterm steak fry. <laughs> the midterm steak fry. <laughs> it was already so sad. <laughs> Yeah, midterm steak fry, you just get like Dave Loebsack sort of like mumbling into a microphone for thir- <laughs> for 30 people. <laughs> so we also saw Andrew Yang. We really ate, but we saw Andrew Yang um, and Joe Biden. Um, what if we were going to talk about their entrance music? Oh, yeah. They Ooh. all get to have entrance music. Uh, Bernie oh, chose Power to the People, which I mean... Uh, I like appreciate the straightforward messaging of the Bernie campaign. Like all the songs he picks are like very much in character, but like they're lame most of them, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, Bernie. <laughs> I wish you guys would have told me before this show, so I c- I could have come up with a bit about what each candidate's entrance music would be. <laughs> Joe Biden, um, his song was I think custom made for his campaign, uh, apparently. Wow. He's cool. Yeah, he's cool. He commissioned someone to write a song for him about how cool Joe Biden is. Oh, and also all the jo- there was like um a bunch of like firefighters for Joe Biden um shit there. Like there was a full fire truck, like an old um antique fire truck, and uh all of his campaign signs have like the sun or at least some of them have like the sunglasses on them, just like aviators, Ugh. which is like yeah, totally a play on the onion thing. Trying to reach the youth. Yeah, it's just like, oh, cool Joe Biden, huh? Uh, what was Andrew Yang's an- entrance music? It was uh, Tell Me When to Go by E-40. Back in Black. You know, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Yang um, has been trying to, or at least there was an interview published where he said, I'm the first goth presidential candidate. He is. Have you seen that picture Because he of listens to um, like the Smiths and the Cure. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like the Smiths aren't goth for one. Second, <laughs> the Cure is like the like stereotypical like goth band, a very entry level goth. Have you yeah. guys seen that picture of him though, wearing that really long trench coat and the sunglasses when he yeah. was like a freshman in college? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> the picture yeah. so Andrew Yang good. is hilarious, dude. He he is hilarious. <laughs> we saw like no Andrew. Yang. There's like one or two. There were yeah a couple Yang gangs. But he started off his speech by talking about like software taking our jobs and shit <laughs> and i was like i'm not sure if this is prime material i'm not sure if this is prime material for the steak fry <laughs> no it's not for the state of iowa either like yeah like come the on booming man. tech industry in iowa talk about farmers man <laughs> yeah seriously talk about the talk about china talk about fucking soybeans for christ's sakes talk about hogs <laughs> hogs this isn't really a yang kind of event either it's really just like it's a, not it's like a Biden, Booker, Harris, Buttigieg yeah. type event. You know? Yeah, we actually. Um, all right, so like after Bernie spoke, we were all like starving because none of us had eaten anything, and it was like two p.m. And uh, so we went to try to find food, which we we did. Well, it is a steak fry after all. It is a steak fry. We didn't actually get steaks. At least Natalie and I didn't. We both got the vegetarian option. <laughs> How was it? It was fine. 
I mean, it wasn't great. Like, I was kind of disappointed at the lack of, like, sides, you know? Chuck really wants me to tell the listeners that I got horrific diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something so funny to me about being in Iowa and going to this event and seeing, you know, fucking Biden and Harris and Buttigieg and Booker, like, eating a burger, like, driving home and having diarrhea from it. (laughs) From your Iowa steak fry lunch. It was, like, 12 hours. It was so worst oh, man. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> and i didn't eat anything else that day but that <laughs> diarrhea will always be funny because i was really hungry beforehand and then afterwards I just really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> i love related content <laughs> yeah so it was just a little veggie burger it was like some sort of like bean and corn like succotash sort of thing and then like an uh artichoke salad uh cooper got a steak and said it was like super well done it didn't look terrible but i didn't i didn't trust getting a steak at the steak fry so i chose Mm -hmm. something different they look extremely nasty to me but he said it was good but he likes like um fully done done steaks right and so (laughs) after we got our food we went to get some drinks and uh well first of all the kids table is right after Vegan slash kids. The line was labeled. (laughs) (laughs) You come to the steak fry, you're going to eat steak. (laughs) Unless you're a kid. (laughs) Steak is for adults only. Vegan slash kids line. And then there was chicken steak vegan slash kids. And I get to the end of the line and I'm so fucking thirsty. And there are these pouches of apple juice that my daughter gets, and I just love them. So I reach out, and this lady is like, those are for the children. And I'm like, oh, my God, fuck you. How many kids were actually at this event? Did you see any? Not very many at all. It was a big basket full of them. God. And it was like, yeah, it was like two hours away from it closing. (laughs) Like... Who cares, man? You're going to have leftovers. Yes, no kidding. It ostensibly cost $35 to get into, which it did not because the Bernie campaign gave us free tickets. She did not know that, though. That's socialism. This one did not know that I didn't pay $35 (laughs) to be eating that, and she won't give me a fucking pouch of apple juice. (laughs) What if I had paid $30? I would love to know what the actual, like, breakdown of where the money goes because <laughs> it's it's sponsored by the Polk County Democrats, and like I'm sure that like eighty percent at least of the money goes to them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, thirty five dollars a head. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. And you can't have a patch of apple juice. <laughs> so then we went to get the actual adult drinks, which were like lemonade and uh, like iced tea, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we went to get drinks, and and I just looked to my right, and like Beto O'Rourke was standing there five feet away, and he was very tall. And very handsome and uh, very, very affable. <laughs> and he was wearing his signature blue dress shirt with the sleeves cuffed up. Nice. And I was like, damn, He's very dude. hot. In real life, he's very hot. And fall is here, so he can really start dressing now. Question, how did your, how did your calves feel when you saw Beto? they were not quite cramping, but it was a little bit. They were etching. <laughs> I mean, it is always strange when you see someone like uh, you've seen a bunch on TV in person, especially when they're like six foot four or five or whatever. Was he standing on the ground? He was standing on the ground. He was not standing on wow. a, like a, f- a folding table. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> it would have been cool if he was. There was like five people around him. Um, we saw a shit ton of Beto stuff. Like his his signs all kind of have like a um, like spray painted kind of aesthetic, which is kind of cool because like Beto is like punk rock as hell. Um, <laughs> Andrew Yang is the goth candidate, and Beto is the punk rock candidate, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> But yeah, there was a ton of Beto people there. Um, all of the cars that we saw in the parking lot that had Beto signs were like from out of state. So I'm pretty sure he had like his entire national Ooh. campaign staff there. Yeah, he's carpet bagging. Yeah. Just rolling deep. When we got there, there was like a Beto like buoy in the lake <laughs> that was like at his signs. And then when we got back, like back to our car, it was gone. And I was like, I'm assuming it sunk. <laughs> uh, so. I, I believe something happened as you were leaving. Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> so, yeah, we were leaving. We were, like, walking past. Like, there's a ton of foot traffic, and there's a ton of car traffic. And there was, like, a minivan with a huge Trump flag <laughs> coming out the side that said, uh, Trump 2020, uh, no more bullshit <laughs> on it. And they were, like, they were like yeah. very close to, like, like I said, like, they were... Like this is like in on the grounds at the park, basically. <laughs> there are no cars here. She's in an area where there are no other cars. Yeah, basically. There's a couple, but like it was mostly like associated with like staff or like Nice. Did it trigger you? Are you triggered? <laughs> we were triggered, but not as much as the, some of the other <laughs> folks as <laughs> as Natalie can describe. <laughs> it sounds like she's looking to run over some liberals. <laughs> Really, though, it was really she just went there to drive around and harass people. Waterworks Park is like, like has these really narrow roads that are technically two lane, but like they can really only fit one car. Well, and also there was a ton of cars parked to the side of the yeah. road and it's like narrower than normal. On the side of yeah. the road. Right. Like literally on the road. That's where mm-hmm. we parked. And so there's these like long, really narrow road that runs for a couple miles and it's miles of people parked on the side almost everyone is leaving at this point um so there are people lined up to turn off of this street onto the main drag and you can see cars in a line as far as the eye can see like this was a line of probably a thousand people in their cars waiting to get out. It mm-hmm. was like a sporting event. There was like a hundred cars lined up, all going the same direction, trying to leave to get on the main road to leave. And she was already on the yes. main road out. Like if she yes. were just continue going straight, it would have been fine. <laughs> yes, and they were they were facing like all facing in the same direction. Um, and they they were on the left side of the road, but it was because the right side was completely taken up by cars. So she decides that she is going to turn onto this road and everyone is screaming at her. (laughs) Yeah, this old guy came up to her window and like started talking to her and then she just started screaming at him and then he like got his phone (laughs) and just started recording her. (laughs) Taking a bunch of pictures. (laughs) And so we luckily, we were late and got like a prime spot. So I was able to pull out in front of her, but I was the last one who was able to. Um, and I was like, hey, I rolled down my window and I was so fucking nice. And I was like, hey, so you can't go to this direction right now because there's an event. And she's like, this is a two-lane highway. <laughs> do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so, 
I don't think she actually dropped the F word, but she was she was incensed. She, she was already word. mad because the old man, incensed. the the kindly old man, yeah. had like <laughs> gently instructed her that she was going the wrong direction. <laughs> so she's facing, driving straight at the line of cars, and just won't move. Yep. All I wanted to do was pull over. We were driving away and like looking back to see like the mayhem that ensued and like she was almost like in the ditch <laughs> like <laughs> next to their road i feel like this situation was like a kind of a, a microcosm of oh what yeah we're experiencing in america right now <laughs> we had our windows down we were laughing so hard about it and there was like a bunch of foot traffic um also like walking to their cars and they were like this guy was like oh, it's a little ironic isn't it <laughs> like <laughs> This lady in her decked out MAGA van going the fucking And with a huge MAGA flag. I think she just wanted to make as many people see it as possible. That was basically oh, her only did, goal. Yeah. Obviously. So. Like that fucking asshole that's got that big Trump trailer. Have you seen that? It's like this, it's probably like 30 feet long. It's this big trailer that he pulls around with his car that it just says like Trump in like gigantic bright letters. Yeah, but can you imagine going to that much trouble and just Going there just to be a nuisance, just so you can like trigger liberals or whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, that's it, all this presidency is. It's just smashing your dick in everyone's face and being yeah. like, "Ha ha, fuck you!" <laughs> like that's all yep. this is. Yep. You're upset. You're upset that you can't leave right now. With yeah, you're obsessed that I'm obstructing the road. You kids, you kids. That's what you sound like. Fucking snowflakes. So she just had her flag and is just screaming at the yeah. line. Of <laughs> And all I wanted to do was pull over, but no one else in the car was okay with that. So we had to get going, and it it really it was an excellent spectacle to have the yeah. day. And I don't I want to know how it ended so bad because she was not. And that road didn't moving. even go anywhere. I'm pretty like it didn't go anywhere. Like there was nowhere. <laughs> like it was, no, point, it was it was just parking. a pointless act of frustrating people for no reason. <laughs> Amazing. So that concludes the trip report for the Iowa Steak Fry. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Are we ready to move on to something that makes me really mad? <laughs> yes. I'm okay. ready. I'm ready to just dip me headfirst into the culture I, wars. Uh, I have a stake in this one, too. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've experienced this from, I think, both sides of what we're going to talk about here, to be honest. <laughs> both sides do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I've been kind of steamed about for like two weeks now. On September 14th, there was the Iowa State-Iowa football game. Both of our major universities playing against each other in football. Mm -hmm. a, they have a major rivalry. It's usually somewhat friendly as far as I know. I mean, it's a biggest. it's the biggest rivalry game i think for iowa fans and iowa state fans so like it's a big rivalry game and they're always intense but like yeah i mean there hasn't been any like real history of scandal i would say right right this year is a little bit different though <laughs> right uh so this was in ames at iowa state so uh the university of iowa was the visiting team they brought their marching band with them. Right. And I, I wanted to say this is a different game because both teams are actually very good this year. And ESPN College Game Day, which is like the uh, Saturday morning ESPN show, like went to Ames to actually broadcast there, which is very rare. It's never happened before. And so like there is it was like a very, very hyped game to begin with and also yeah. was delayed by thunder and lightning for multiple times for like a long time. So like people were there all day. The 
gates opened to the stadium at like 5 a.m. And then like people were there from 5 a.m. until like 8 or 9. So just to give a little bit more context to it. Right. So there's more attention on this game than usual. Uh, There's it's longer than usual. Mm -hmm. Probably more more people attending. A lot of alcohol consumption throughout the day, tailgating, Mm -hmm. uh, being at the stadium, you know. Who won? Iowa won by one point. Uh, It was a very close game. I got to see the ending. <laughs> I don't of it. Know. Yeah, so it was also a very competitive game. It was, it was a very competitive game, a close game, yes. Mm-hmm. And the yes. Cyclones basically threw it away at the very end. So as the game is ending and people are leaving, uh, the University of Iowa's marching band exits the stadium. But as they're doing so, they're on the way to their buses to go home. They are accosted by some Iowa State fans. There's some sort of altercation. I don't know if all the details have been released on this. Yeah, basically they were trying to move through the crowd to get to to leave. Yeah, and uh, some very some rowdy football fans uh, got involved, and it ended up with at least one member of the marching band in the hospital with broken ribs. They were yelled at. Uh, I saw one mention of a racial slur being used. There were allegations of like groping female yeah, band members. They're like dumping beer on them, like throwing yeah. trash at them, throwing stuff at them, yelling at them. Uh, yeah, groping them—that's a bad one. And I just—I'm gonna jump in here with an article, if that's okay. Unless you guys yeah, have let's it. okay. Mm-hmm. So again, this—the uh, game was on the 14th, and this is an article that came out. On the 19th, this was in the Iowa City Press Citizen, uh, written by Amy Bro, and the headline here is, Gary Barta says, University of Iowa no longer looking into marching band incident. What the hell? Gary Barta has, um, I'm trying to recall the last time that he was in the news for something that he fumbled fucking horribly and still kept his job. I want to say it had to do with the discrimination suit against a Mm -hmm. volleyball coach at the University of Iowa, if I'm... If I'm correct, it ended in a pretty large yes, settlement. Sir. So I was thinking about this. I knew we were going to talk about this. And Gary Barta, I think, is a good example of what I've identified like as an Iowan way, right? People in Iowa tend to like continuity. They like the same people for as long as possible with no real necessity to excel, right? I mean, you look at, you know, the men's basketball coach, you know, Fran McCaffrey. He has been the coach for a very long time, and it is not a good team. Uh, Kirk Ferentz has been the coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes for a very long time, the, the football team. And they, too, are often a very mediocre team. Uh, look at Chuck Grassley. He's been in office for a fucking lifetime. Chuck Grassley's been in office longer than my parents have been alive, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that fucking old. Yeah. Gary Barta has been in charge at Iowa for quite a long time as well. And despite all of like the hiccups and dumb shit these people have done throughout the years, they just continue to hold their posts. And I, I, I don't know if that's a thing that's just exclusive to Iowa because college coaches are constantly in jeopardy of being fired. But the state of Iowa seems to like defy that, not only for their sporting teams, but for their athletic directors, you know, for our elected officials. And it's, it seems kind of strange to me, but yeah. Gary Barta is very much a part of this sort of good old boys group, right? So Gary Barta, he's the athletics director at the University of Iowa. Uh, I pulled up his salary just so we can get a little context for how much this fucking guy is making every year. In 2018, his salary was $992,200.08. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, and he's endured a shitload of criticism like over the years for a bunch of dumb things, really. Like I don't understand why he still has a job, but Wait, <laughs> okay. 
In six years, he forced out five female coaches, replaced two of them with men, and paid the men 25% more. Yep, I remember that. (laughs) Well, we've established this guy's a shithead. Uh, Here's the Press Citizen article I was getting into. Uh, Still not elaborating on what may have happened to some members of the University of Iowa Hawkeye Marching Band during last week's game in Ames, UI Athletic Director Gary Barta said Thursday he and his Iowa State counterpart are no longer investigating the incident. Uh, Barta said it's time to move forward and that it isn't feasible to determine what actually occurred on Saturday between band members and Cyclone fans. He and rival athletic director ISU's Jamie Pollard spoke about the incident Monday but ultimately decided some days later that further inquiries would be fruitless. Mm. Uh, This is from Barta. Barta says, Jamie Pollard and I had a telephone conversation mid-afternoon Monday in which we discussed general scope of the incident. We agreed together to gather facts. After collecting information Monday and Tuesday, we realized it would be difficult to verify details and elected to focus on moving forward on future events. So they they gave it a shot for like two fucking days and then decided, eh, this is too hard. We don't care that much. In a joint statement Wednesday, the athletic directors said interactions between fans and both universities' marching bands recently have been rude, vulgar, and in some cases, violent. University of Iowa officials have declined to confirm whether the weekend incident was violent. Hmm. Though Barta said one student band member required medical attention. Yeah, but it wasn't violent, though. Just, you know. Yeah, they can't say if there was violence, but somebody was in the hospital. (laughs) Don't know how they got there, but, you know. I hate it when that happens to me, when I just end up in the hospital. (laughs) Goddamn. Through nonviolence. That individual will be okay, Barta said. I cannot comment further due to medical privacy laws. Oh, fuck off, dude. <laughs> what a cop-out. <laughs> you suck, Gary Barta. Holy God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Gary Barta released a statement Monday announcing the UI was looking into inappropriate actions taken against the band in response to two media inquiries about a post made on social media, said Steve Rowe, assistant athletics director for the UI. The release said Iowa officials contacted ISU officials and were working to gather information. The next day, Pollard told reporters early reports to him on the matter indicated there was little reason to suspect an altercation. Hmm. Here's what I do know happened last week. This state had a national audience with ESPN's college game day. It was an awesome celebratory day for both Iowa and Iowa State. It brought great exposure to the Cyhawk series and <laughs> Iowa corn and everything great about this state, Pollard said. It pains me to think that a pretty vague release has kind of damaged that nationally. Dude, Jamie Pollard is also a piece of shit, but he's actually competent in his job, so he slides. Like, he's increased Iowa State's, like, national standing a lot. But, yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit. And I think he also went on to say, like, uh, they are mean to us, too, when we go to their games. Like, games at Iowa. He did say that. Yeah, which is, like, such a scumbag thing to say. Like, I mean, of course, (laughs) there's a fucking rivalry game, but, like, this doesn't happen every single time. Like, come on, man. It's a fucking band. Right, it clearly crosses Yeah, it's, it's like, band. yeah, they're, they're mandated to be there. They don't get to choose where they, they go. They're part of the band. They go. Yep. By Wednesday, both athletic directors were on the same page. They released a brief, vague joint statement in which they agreed that both bands have felt unsafe at away games against their Corn State rivals. The two promised to improve the safety of visiting marching bands and asked that fans chip in by showing more respect for visiting teams. We should all feel embarrassed when students in the bands don't feel safe when performing at an away game, read the Wednesday statement. So that's the end of that article. It's just awful. I have a post that I'm going to read now, which I think is important. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, 
hit us with it. Yeah. So after this statement comes out from the athletic director saying basically, well, we're not going to be able to find all the facts. So I guess we need to just drop it because we can't determine what exactly occurred. And it just isn't that important. We need to move forward. Isn't wasn't this football game just super great for all of us? Uh, there's a post here. It's a public Facebook post from a member of the uh, the University of Iowa marching band. I'll refrain from saying the guy's name, I guess, even though it's a public post. But here's what he says. Gotta love Iowa athletics and the AD. They tell us yesterday they're investigating the violent acts against us in Ames. They tell us things will change, with no specifics, and they will not sweep this under the rug. They tell us we need to trust them and that they have our backs all the way up the ladder. Well, come to find out today, the University of Iowa and Iowa Athletics are no longer investigating. People were physically assaulted. We expect to get booed and cussed at, but never for violence to take place, especially to students in the band of the rival university. No alleges, no maybes, this happened. Put yourself in our shoes. Kids, marching in formation back to our buses after a long day. Getting shoved and having beer cans shaken and sprayed at our feet. Getting slapped because of the words on our uniform, Iowa. Getting pushed so hard that someone's ribs are broken. That is completely unacceptable. Uh, good to know athletics does not have our backs and nobody up the ladder actually cares. Dr. Bush, uh, he's the director of the marching band. Uh, Dr. Bush has been fighting for us since Saturday. This is not on him. This is on whoever up the ladder doesn't care enough about the students that go to this university. I wonder if this had happened to the football team, if athletics would still be investigating. Be careful what you post on social media, they told us that yesterday. And today I no longer care. Thank you, Iowa Athletics and the University of Iowa, for showing me that when I'm physically assaulted at an away football game as a part of the Hawkeye marching band, you don't have my back and you don't care. Yeah, I mean, understandable. That's, like, terrible. I don't understand how, like, they decided they were just going to sweep it under the rug immediately. I mean, I do understand, but it's just fucking gross as fuck. Because, you know, how much money this just generates like yeah, all of the money making exactly. potential that there is every single year from the Iowa Iowa State series especially when Iowa State is a better team now and the games are more competitive we, we I think we probably touched on college athletics on the previous episode about how it's just inherently scum at the top and on mm-hmm. the way down you're talking about especially with people that are playing football which is an extremely dangerous sport to play that's very very well documented the the compensation is uh, oh well you're getting a free education well, I mean, yes, but the amount of revenue that the football program at some schools, the basketball program uh, generates for the school is, is very, very considerable. And it doesn't happen without these athletes. And the control of that, too. Like, they should, they deserve to be compensated for fucking ruining their skulls. Yeah, and that's happening too out in California right now, actually. I'm fairly certain that that's um, in the works uh, is compensation for athletes. Um, There's been some bills introduced for sure. With the band, I was thinking about this as well. I I had to drive out to Anamosa yesterday, and it was kind of a long drive. And I was thinking about the band and what I would do had I been part of that band. Not not in the moment, but like afterwards uh, as a response to this. I would really love to see today... Uh, at halftime for the Iowa band to march out onto the field and just sit and refuse to move (laughs) and refuse to let, I'm serious, and refuse to move and refuse to let the game go on, you know, just to, to, because since they're trying to sweep this under the rug and they don't want the public to, you know, be concerned about this, they, they want it out of the news cycle, put it back in the fucking news cycle, like put their nuts to the fucking fire. Like how many, how many members make up a marching band? Do you remember how big the band was at Wash, Justin? We were, it was a pretty big band, wasn't it? 
I don't know exact numbers, but yeah, at least. But yeah, it, like, it's a lot of people. And imagine all yeah. of those people going out and just copping a squat on the field. You know, everyone like taking their toms off, like taking the Sousa phones off, setting them on the ground, and you just cop a fucking squat. <laughs> what are they going to do? Like, are they going to drag each one of you out of there individually? Like, yeah, they could probably do that, but that's going to take for fucking ever. And that's going to get national attention. Like, I would love to see it. God, <laughs> me too. Me it too. would piss off the fan base so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Like, like Iowa, ho- dude, hockey football. I like, mean, it'd be great, but. It's like a way of fucking life in this state. Like, anyone that doesn't live in Iowa that's listening to this, people take Hawkeye football really, really fucking seriously. Like, yeah, we don't have any national or, uh, like, pro teams, rather. No, we don't. Right. Like, they're the biggest show in town. And mm-hmm. their fan base is, I mean, there's something else, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you know, passionate football fans, uh, I mentioned that the Facebook post I just read is public, which means mm-hmm. people are commenting on it. Oh, uh, oh no. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm going to call out some people. I mean, you know, public social media uh, posts are a- another running theme of today's episode. <laughs> we'll get into those a little more later. But uh, some comments on this Facebook post from people. Uh, here's one from Grant Hoffman. It says, congrats, you made a Facebook post instead of reporting a supposed incident right when it happened, and now the Cyhawk series is in jeopardy. If anyone thinks for a second ISU fans, athletes, band members, and whoever else don't face the same things in Iowa City, then you're ignorant. Fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, and I think uh, Iowa's president did suggest that potentially the game could be suspended, like the Iowa State every year. Which, I mean, I think that's a fucking, like... He sucks too. He sucks real bad. He does. That's like a whole nother story. But like, that's I'm glad he did say that at least because like, I mean, who gives a shit? It's a fucking football game. Like, it's not worth it for it's not worth humans' lives. It's stupid. Let's hear a couple more. I feel like getting even more angry before our next segment. I will mention that, uh, yeah, Bruce Harold is basically, he was an installed puppet of Terry Branstad, yeah. so he's... <laughs> he had never held any public, like, position whatsoever. He was, like, what was he, like, the CEO of some company or something? Something like it that. It was all yeah. in secret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a couple more Facebook comments. This one is from Alan Crowder. It says, you are such a bad actor. Your band director caused the fracas by sending you out the wrong gate. Uh, here's another comment from Justin Taylor. You may soon be the most hated person in Iowa, making allegations of assaults that have no credible evidence because not one person, including yourself, reported it to police or school officials. Instead of spreading rumors on social media that could potentially ruin a storied rivalry. Uh, Good luck with that. Thumbs up. (laughs) Can people like that be any worse? Like, can can you... I don't understand what, what is in someone's brain that they see this and they read this and instead of being like, wow... I know that I like this, but this is pretty shitty. They just jump straight to that. Like I don't, I don't know what to say. Like it's just, dude, it, it's maga shitheads. Like that's exactly what this, this, these are fucking Trump people that write shit like this. Their precious football game might be taken away. You're fuck, you play fucking hot. Was it twelve games a year that college plays? Remind me. Yeah. Like you've got other fucking games, dude. Like, I, <laughs> just shut the fuck up. You have more entertainment available to you than like. <laughs> I mean. This makes me really happy coming from you guys because you're such big fans and it just makes me feel really seen. I'm not. I mean, no, us I, I do watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watch Iowa games, but like. I do not watch any college athletics. I have. College football is so fucking gross, dude. Like. I have a moral ob- objection to fucking college athletics. I've never enjoyed them. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, good sports <laughs> fans. 
I feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> There's like 200 comments on this thing, so I'm not going to find it. But I remember there was one uh, where a guy told them, like, uh, maybe you should, like, change your major to something more useful directed at the band members, which is, like, <laughs> most of them are, like, science majors and shit. <laughs> what, are you ta- like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, band, they're not at they're school not to, like, at learn marching, marching band. band and, like, go into the marching band industry, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's, like, talking shit about music majors, which is me. So I replied to his comment and I said, fuck you, <laughs> you know, as you do. Uh, one last comment. This one's from Michael Devine. It says, I can't tell you what a weakling you are in strong enough terms. Go back home and live with your mother. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. What a fucking jackass. Okay, I have um, to show you the power of posting. Here is a headline that came out the day after that Facebook post. Uh, this is on CBS2 Iowa. The headline is, Update. Investigation reopened in Cyhawk marching band incident in Ames. <laughs> So, you yeah. know, yeah, womp, talk womp. talk shit online and you may get what you want. <laughs> Since uh, one of those comments mentioned going out the wrong gate, uh, this is the most recent news on the situation. This came out yesterday in the Iowa City Press Citizen on uh, September 27th. This one's also by Amy Bro. Uh, the headline is, uh, Director, Hawkeye Marching Band Didn't Leave Cyhawk Game Incorrectly. Why should that matter? No kidding. Okay, so what is it? Like, if you accidentally go out uh, the wrong area, like, the wrong, like, 10-foot stretch of concrete, you deserve to get fucking beat up and deserve to get harassed? <laughs> like, is, is that really supposed to be an argument? Like, is this, is yeah. this real? Yeah, great argument. Let me give you the details here. Two separate campaigns were underway in Iowa this week to clear up misinformation surrounding reports of verbal, physical, and sexual assaults on University of Iowa Hawkeye marching band members leaving the September football game in Ames. Tuesday, Iowa State Director uh, Jamie Pollard accused the Iowa band of marching out an incorrect and congested exit gate from Jack Trice Stadium, which he said contributed to the violence against band members. So just what Chuck said, uh, leaving the wrong door, it's kind of your fault if you get your ass kicked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The following day, Iowa band director Eric Bush in emails to alumni band members, disputed Pollard's account, noting that Iowa State never indicated what gate the band should use to leave, and that the band left while fans were still exiting after being ordered off the playing field by an Iowa State facilities employee. We took the exit closest to our buses, which seemed like the safest route at the time, the director wrote in an email to a former student. Had the ISU director of facilities and grounds not angrily kicked us off the field post-game, I would have chosen to allow the Hawkeye marching band to remain on the field much longer to let more of the crowd dissipate. Bush also noted that where the buses were parked was the choice of Iowa State officials. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To the former student, Bush lamented that his organization was said to be at fault for putting students in an unsafe situation. He forwarded an email from the Iowa State band director that detailed game day directions. The email includes information on how to enter the stadium through the south gate, but does not show directions for how to leave the stadium. I was incredibly disappointed to hear ISU's comments that placed blame on the Hawkeye marching band regarding how we entered and exited the stadium last Saturday, Bush wrote. Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's so terrible. Who gives a shit, man? Like, (laughs) that's not... Hey, I'm like whimpering. I feel so sad for these and my dogs keep looking at me but like what the fuck are you like what the fuck you looking at huh (laughs) (laughs) all right i think uh i think that we need to get to the the other part of the iowa game (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, give us give us a little intro to this, Chuck. Okay, so I've been following this very closely ever since it became a thing. Um, earlier in the show, Evan mentioned College Game Day being at Iowa State for the game. One of the grand traditions of College Game Day is college students packing the, the area around where they set their stage up and having signs, right? One of the oldest gags that there's ever been for a college student with a sign at a college football game is like, Mom, Dad, send beer money, or like, you know something i've seen those hundred countless times on college campuses sure yeah one particular young man who has been in the news quite a bit lately really if you have opened Uh. any social media app if you've looked at facebook if you've read any newspaper you see his name Uh, his name's carson king and carson had a sign at the game that was visible on television that uh was like Bush Light Supply needs replenished, and you know we touched on the t- the ties that Bush Light has to Iowa. Number one most consumed beer. Yeah, yeah, it's a staple of Iowa life around here, I guess. Like, there's like 15 Bush Lights drinking by every Iowan on yeah. average. Like, if you were to average right. it out over everyone. Yep. So he had a sign that said Bush Light Supply needs replenished, and had his uh, Venmo account on there. Enough people saw it, thought it was funny, and they started giving him money. And it kind of made the news when uh, he was like, oh, yeah, this kid's sign, dude. Like, I remember seeing it on Twitter and people were sharing it saying, like, haha, this is funny. And just, like, sending him, like, five or ten bucks or whatever. And once he hit the eleven, maybe $12,000 mark. Jesus. He did. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. For, okay. It's on national TV, man. His Venmo tag is on national TV. And I guess there's a lot of yeah. people with a lot of money. And Yeah. God forbid you give a sense of that to someone that's, like, you know, underneath crippling medical debt. Uh, which we'll get into also with this. So yeah. the, his, he got up to like eleven or $12,000, and he did what any decent human being would do, what I believe any of us would do, mm-hmm. and find a cause to donate that money to. Sure. Except he didn't choose a cause, really. He decided to donate it to a very well-funded hospital. Bush Light <laughs> caught, wind, caught wind of this. Venmo caught wind of this, and they were like, you know what? We'll match it. Go ahead. See how much money you can raise, and you know we're we're gonna match whatever you can do. Right. So it turned into a PR thing for them. Yes, it mm-hmm. turned into a great PR opportunity for them, especially Bushlight. Bushlight even went yeah. ahead and printed him a year's supply, which I believe averages out to two cans a day. Is what I, I is like seven hundred some cans of beer. Well, oh come <laughs> on, that's not a year's supply. Give me a damn break. <laughs> I I agree, but I mean, what are the yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, so these actually have his face printed on the can. It's like a special edition can they made just for him, printed a bunch of them, and we're like, yeah, dude, here you go. So fast forward, it's over $2 million right now, and the cutoff date is tomorrow for the donations. Mm-hmm. But along the way, a few things have uh, sort of happened. Uh, there's a lot between point A and point B here that I think we should get into. Yeah, I've got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did not know what started it. I have avoided this at all fucking costs, and it's still leaking into my fucking brain. Yeah, I mean, so far, this sounds like a win-win-win. I mean, the kid gets uh, a bunch of, you know, fame. Like, Bushlight gets their advertising. Hospital gets their money. You know, what's what's what could possibly go wrong here? Like, <laughs> you know, this just sounds like the kind of, like human interest crap that the like local newspapers will just go crazy over <laughs> that the masses crave <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so feel good story i mean iowa football i mean 
Gotta love it. Um, yeah. So the the hospital thing, Chuck mentioned. You know, he decided to donate to a well funded hospital instead of any sort of well, there's charity or anything like that. Background behind that too is it's the Iowa Children's Hospital, which is like right next mm-hmm. to the stadium at Iowa, and it's been a tradition mm-hmm. for the past couple of years where everyone waves at. The they f- make a big show of everything yes. having to do with that fucking hospital and i have a side rant let's hear it no you made a very good point the other day that i think we should definitely kick it off with give us the side rant credit to like long conversations i've had about this with friend of the show Emmett. this is like a thing about funding nonprofits that i just absolutely fucking hate you do not give money to hospitals or universities or any of that shit they have plenty of fucking money they are not going to use it to help anyone. They are going to use it to make everything look prettier and then to pay their debt collection agencies to call all of these fucking kids' families that are trying to get cancer treatment and shake them down. Like, if you are giving someplace that has someone's last name in it, like, if you are giving to, like, Bell and Blank or, like, you know, whatever, then you're not actually helping people. You're, like, there are people putting their names on it. There are foundations funding it. It's just, like, there is this horrible libertarian approach to nonprofit funding that I just absolutely hate. I've spent most of my career working in nonprofits and it's always like Mm -hmm. anyone who is working in a nonprofit in a community has to show up and gargle the balls of the (laughs) three people who live there with their Uh. fancy last names, like the wealthy families in each community, you know who they are and you have to like go up and get your dick stuck in order to do anything nice for anyone. And so if you're going to donate money, like think for 10 seconds before you um, do it and figure out how to give to the people who actually need it because the hospital's fine. The University of Iowa is fine. They don't need your money. People who do are the families of the kids and are like all the little organizations and just like try and think a couple times before you pick a place to give to. Okay, end of rant. Good rant. No, that's a very, very, very important rant. Yeah, so one such charity that I, I personally donate a portion of every paycheck I get to uh, is the National MS Society, and their goal is not to like fund research and dump money into the fucking furnace that is trying to cure you know immunodiseases. Yeah, the money is used for financial support for people that are living with MS to help them afford treatments, medications, to provide the like, quality of life aids. Like some people have serious problems with heat uh, intolerance, and there's like these cooling vests that they buy for people. They use the money to help install wheelchair ramps, even keep people's electricity on so their air conditioning can stay on in the summertime. There are definitely better places this money could have fucking gone. Sure. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. But for now, let's talk more about this kid. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. This kid. I hate this so much. I hate it. All right. I hate it. Every right. time oh, I love it. Let's do a culture it. war. The planet is boiling. <laughs> and this is... <laughs> It is so bad. I mean, we have to talk about it, though. It's, like, legally mandated by being in this state. This has been the only thing anyone has been talking about for a full week. (laughs) Here is uh, an article published in the Des Moines Register. This is, in my opinion, a glowing profile of this guy, Carson King. Yeah, (laughs) it is. (laughs) This was uh, published uh, at 9.33 p.m. on September 24th, written by Aaron Calvin, and uh, it says here it was updated at 5.30 p.m. on September 25th. I'm not sure what that's about, but it was <laughs> updated at some point for some reason. Um, here's the headline. Meet Carson King. 
the Iowa legend, that's in quotes to be fair, uh, who's raised more than $1 million for charity off of a sign asking for beer money. In the living room of Carson King's unassuming bungalow in Altoona, a sign hand-painted <laughs> by his step-grandmother hangs on the wall with the message, King, start unknown, finish unforgettable. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this kid has done nothing. This kid is not a fucking hero. He's he's not... Well, according to his, his grandmother, he is. Uh, of course. <laughs> all, all of our fucking grandmothers would say that about us. Um, here's the, the thing is, like... This kid wasn't out, like, pounding the pavement and, like, knocking on doors and showing up and pleading his case as to why you should give him money for him to give to this hospital. He had a fucking sign on television asking for beer money. And a couple <laughs> of different companies saw it as a marketing opportunity. That's yeah. all this is. This kid is not a hero. This kid is, is not worthy of lionization. Believe me, I get it. I get that this is very, I mean, I feel like one of the themes we've had today is, is things that are very sort of Iowan. And... There is nothing more Iowan than a Hawkeye football, the adjacent hospital in the wave, and Bush Light. Like this has this hits this checks all the fucking boxes for something that Iowa fans and people that are kind of caught up in the Iowan caras to like just have an explosive Woody about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. We're not, you know, shitting on this kid. It's just like it's not that big of a deal, right? It's you know? really not. <laughs> it's a silly, stupid story to begin with. Like, yeah, the, the money is good. Is I mean, sure, I guess, but like, he did a small kind of funny thing. It took off. He he used the opportunity to give the money to something he saw as a positive. You know, yeah. And he has not been humble at all in the process. He has basically taken every opportunity he can to be interviewed. He went on Good Morning America. <laughs> just let everyone no, jack him didn't. off as much as he can. He did. Until no, he like, did milk this fucking thing dry. Oh, yeah. He was on Good Morning America <laughs> with a sign. Yeah. Let me, let, me, let me keep going here. This country is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> a message made to remind her 24-year-old grandson to always do his best has now become a prophecy. <laughs> 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 Before September's annual Cyhawk football game, King was unknown to the world, working security at Prairie Meadows Casino and trying to figure out what to do with his life. But after he held up a sign asking for beer money that appeared by chance on ESPN's College Game Day show before the game, he's been lauded as an example of kindness and compassion across the nation. The sign brought in more than $1 million after he decided to donate all the funds raised from his brief television appearance to the University of Iowa's Stead Children's Hospital. It began as a whim. The night before the game, King made a sign with a Sharpie and scrap of poster board, taking only a few moments to do it. That read, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenished, and requested $25 via the digital payments service Venmo. He arrived on the game day set the next morning at 5.30 a.m., but the area was already so crowded, he was forced to move into a secondary area. Oh, oh by the way, game day bans signs of that type. He managed to sneak it by security. Like, Oh, nice. Yeah, they don't want people. Like, this has been a thing that people have done for a long time, like, trying to raise money for beer or whatever. It's like, they yeah. don't want any, like, personal, like, tags, like, email addresses or shit like that. Like, I could see that being a liability for them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the game day program happened to spend a lot of time filming that secondary area. King discovered through some texts from friends that he had appeared on screen. Then the money began to pour into his Venmo account. When it reached $600, he called his family and told them he wouldn't use the hall for beer. But <laughs> 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 would rather donate it to the Children's Hospital in Iowa City. <laughs> this is just how Carson is. Dana Archer King, Carson King's mother, told the Des Moines Register, He's always been compassionate and caring. A very kind person. My late mother always said about Carson, That kid just simply loves life. 
and it's so true. <laughs> you know, I, I've been thinking about this too. Like, I don't think that this this kid's like a bad kid or anything. No, like, he seems he seems like a decent guy. Right. Honestly, yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's just like I don't know. He just is a little tone deaf. I think he's an Iowan. I mean, he's a true blood. Yeah. I mean, it's not doesn't seem like no a bad hate guy. at all. No, he's a fine guy. I'm really cheesing it up because, like, I feel the yeah. focus of this article is just, like, how great this kid is and what he's yeah. doing. And yeah, I, yeah, 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 for sure. For yeah. having a beer sign. I'm going I over cannot the believe that's what it was. I didn't know. <laughs> Archer King posted her son's spontaneous fundraiser on Facebook. Then the world began to take notice. By Monday afternoon, local and national media started picking up the tale. King's story appeared as a two-minute segment on Scott Van Pelt's popular One Big Thing segment Thursday evening, giving his story its first national-level visibility. And just to fully clarify for people that maybe don't watch any sort of sports media... Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Scott Van Pelt is the host of SportsCenter on the Night Block. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he is on television like during like one of their prime hours. It's the most watched ESPN show, it probably. It is, yeah. SportsCenter yeah. is the flagship program of ESPN, so that's a yep. pretty fucking big deal to be on there. The weekend following, King was in New York City, touring Bush headquarters and appearing on news programs like Good Morning America, NBC News, CNN, and Fox and Friends. Gotta see both sides, folks. (laughs) Other companies began adding their names alongside King's primary corporate sponsors. Hmm. (laughs) Northwest Mutual, based in Wisconsin, has donated fifty thousand to the Children's Hospital in honor of King. Prairie Meadows Casino, who employs both King and his father, has added a ten thousand dollar donation to the pile. DeWitt Construction, where King's brother is employed, has pledged to donate three hundred dollars for each new roof it constructs. So there's okay. there's an incentive for them to get more business <laughs> before they'll donate. <laughs> On Monday, Goldie's Ice Cream Shop, the culinary epicenter of King's hometown of Prairie City. Hell yeah, that place is so good. Well, uh, hold that thought. <laughs> On Monday, they announced they would offer a Bush Light flavored soft serve with all profits from the flavor going directly to King's Venmo account. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. No. I'm not gonna lie. no. That sounds pretty good. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Dude, I'd, I'd try it. I mean, no, dude. But that doesn't taste bad. It doesn't it's just, taste like anything. Doesn't taste like much at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the end of the weekend, the fundraiser King had started on a whim had raised over one million dollars for the hospital in concert with the corporate matches and additional donations. Outside his home, just south of the Prairie Meadows Casino in Altoona, the day after the million-dollar news was announced, and fresh off a whirlwind trip to New York City. King is relaxed as he submits to the now routine process of interviews and photo shoots. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's all American, dude. He's like a good looking guy, too. He stands Just in saying. his yard with his thumbs in his jean pockets and wearing his last clean <laughs> Iowa State pullover. Hell yeah. <laughs> dude. Dude. He just sounds like anybody running for local office in Iowa. I don't think I've ever seen a candidate not do that pose. A male candidate running for any kind of office, usually pretty, pretty, you know, entry level office uh, as a public servant that did not do that exact same fucking thing. Like (laughs) thumbs in the jeans and everything. That's like a Beto pose, actually. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. Though his allegiance in the interstate rivalry has been with ISU since his days at Prairie City Monroe High School. He'll make an appearance at the University of Iowa Hawkeyes game on Saturday, which is today, to participate in the Hawkeye Wave, a tradition honoring the children for whom he's raised money. 
After studying psychology at ISU after he graduated high school in 2014, King left the university citing his tendency to be a hands-on learner and the expense of student loans to work on the security team at Prairie Meadows. He purchased his home in Altoona in March. Hmm. I do have kind of a big heart, King said of his decision to turn his 15 seconds of fame into a fundraising opportunity. My friends know me as kind of a softie. I'm the nice guy. He said that? He oh. said that. That's a quote from him in the article. What a... I mean, no, nice I don't... Oh. Yeah, you deserve it. Why don't girls <laughs> like me? <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the way my skull is shaped. That's the only reason. <laughs> As his profile has grown, he's received numerous requests to join in on the next tailgate, recognition from strangers, and even romantic overtures. <laughs> <laughs> he's been called out, too, as the Bush Light guy, and King has savored it, focusing on converting every drop of attention into cash for the children's hospital. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he's taking it upon himself to, to do the good. At work, people recognize me. At Target, people recognize me, he said. I'm happy with all of it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> None of this could have happened without people out there recognizing me and realizing this is a good cause and everything. If people want to take pictures with me, I'm all for it. Again, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. For Bushlight, King's story was the marketing equivalent of discovering oil in its backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Liquid gold, baby. <laughs> Liquid gold. Who, who wrote this? Uh, this was written by Aaron Calvin of the Des Moines oh, Register. Oh, okay, duh. This is the original article, okay. Yes, this is the uh, the big one. <laughs> okay. This is very controversial uh, shit, obviously. Not just, like, yeah. meaningless fluff garbage. Like, come on, man. <laughs> this is controversial shit. Yeah, I, d I don't want to skip ahead, but I will say there are some people very upset with this article, and I think so far you can tell why. The, you know, it's so unfair to this kid who's yep. doing a nice thing. Uh <laughs> Uh, the company quickly jumped at the opportunity to not only match King's donation, but also to supply him a year's worth of beer. 60 cans of beer a month for 12 months for a total of 720 cans. Brandon with his face and proclaiming King an Iowa legend. After keeping a few cans as memorabilia, King plans to share the beer with family, friends, and others who have helped him in his journey before exploring opportunities to auction off cans to raise money for charitable causes. Oh my god. Throughout his quick rise to Iowa legend status, King has been supported by his family and community. I love to brag about the fact that we are a very tight family, Archer King said. Uh, that was his mother, by the way. <laughs> our kids all have each other's backs at all times, and I love that. There's sort of a standing joke in our family that my kids are all required to live within 45 miles of me known as the Mom Circle. Oh. The King family, dispersed across central Iowa, all grew up in Prairie City, a small community on the eastern edge of the Des Moines metro area with a population of less than 2,000. The entire community is extremely proud of him. Kristen Souza, the current principal of Prairie City Monroe High School, told the Register, We're all sharing the fundraiser on Facebook to get him as much money as possible. Prairie Meadows has also been supportive of King, who has had to take time off of work to attend to the media requests. Along with the casino's donation, individual employees have also offered their assistance. King's supervisor, Vice President of Security, Clint Persley, has helped King connect with people to provide him with legal and tax advice around his fundraising. We're very proud of Carson. It started off as a joke, just having some fun at the first ever game day in Ames. Brad Rines, Senior Vice President at the casino, said, The luck of even being on TV at that time and having a fun demeanor has led to something far beyond anyone's imagination. 
A routine background check of King's social media revealed two <laughs> racist jokes, one comparing <laughs> black mothers to gorillas and another making light of black people killed in the Holocaust. The joke tweets date back to 2012 when King was a 16-year-old high school student. When asked about the tweets, King was remorseful and thanked the register for pointing them out, saying they made him sick. He has since deleted them. That's not something that I'm proud of at all, he told the register during the day Tuesday. Tuesday evening, King spoke to local television stations about the now-deleted tweets. I am embarrassed and stunned to reflect on what I thought was funny when I was a 16-year-old, he said in a statement posted by uh, WHO-TV. I want to sincerely apologize. He also read the statement in a video posted by KCCI-TV. Anheuser-Busch, Bush Light's parent company, announced in a statement Tuesday night that they will have no further association with King, though they will honor their agreement to match the funds for the Children's Hospital. Which is the big scandal here, is that Bush Light pulled their funds. These unaccountable corporations, you know, even a multinational corporation, Bush Light is actually owned by Anheuser-Busch, which is a Belgian company, InBev, <laughs> got bought yeah, out. Correct. So this is what people are mad about. They're mad about corporations doing what corporations do. Are you sure about taking that? Because... advantage of the free advertising up until the point where they <laughs> sense any negative PR, at which point they cut ties. Uh, now King wants to look to the future. With the profile and recognition and status I've gotten with this, I'd like to reach out to different organizations around the state and maybe around the country and put them in the spotlight and show people how great they are, he said. He's entertaining the idea of joining law enforcement at some level, like his dad, Mick King, who was a police officer in Altoona for 27 years before Uh-oh. retiring. <laughs> but his newfound talent for fundraising has him rethinking his career goals. With all that's gone on, I think I can help in other ways, he said. I'd like to do both. I'm still young. There's still a lot of time to decide these things. So this has sort of reopened. Uh, no, I mean, it, it hasn't, but for some people, this is making them think of uh, what is commonly referred to as cancel culture, uh, right. which very right. rarely results in someone actually being forced out of their job or like out of the, the limelight or whatever. I do want to say before we get going on this a lot, um, there are a lot of people that are finding various ways to defend this. It's like one of the more common ones that I've seen is like, well, he was just quoting Tosh.0. He was just quoting Tosh.0. It's like, Okay, so, I mean, I he was just quoting Mein Kampf. Like, how does that fucking sound like? I mean, it, that doesn't excuse it. And I do also want to say that he was 16. Yeah, I was I was a little shithead when I was <laughs> young too. I don't think I I don't think it went quite as far as like 16, 17. But I I do believe that people can become more self-aware. And, Certainly. You know, they they yeah. can change and they can grow. Like I truly do believe that. I mean, there is a stark difference between him saying that when he was 16 to however old he is now. What is he like 23 or 24? 24, yes. Yeah, so like there's a big difference between that and like a senator who's like in their 60s that said something like this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, 5, 6, 7 years prior. Like there there is a difference. Or for example, uh an elected official who shares the same last name as Carson <laughs> King, uh <laughs> yeah. frequently yeah, saying, you know, one. white supremacist things. Uh. Yeah. The question does become do we believe you? Have you grown? Have you changed? Are you regretting this because it's in the public light? How tone deaf do you have to be to think that people wouldn't find shit like this on your account? Like you're in the limelight, dude. This is what happens. The first thing you do is you scrub your social media. Yeah, people people are getting really upset about this. They're saying, well, just everyone can just go back and just find stuff you did in the past and just, you know, things change. It's like, listen, dickheads. <laughs> 
<laughs> I expressed in the show once that I, I once had interest in being a journalist. One of the very fundamental pillars of journalism is painting the entire picture. Yeah. Part of painting the entire picture is going back and looking at how this person grew up, who they are, maybe who they were, what they've done, and this is just part of it, okay? Mm-hmm. This kid has not been deplatformed. This this thing has not stopped the money coming in. Nope. No, it's done the exact opposite, in fact. Yeah, it's done the yep. exact opposite. And this this thing that pisses me off the most is this is only a problem to people when it happens to somebody that they like, yeah. right? You know, how much does it matter? How much do you believe this person based on, you know, in, in comparison to somebody else, you know? Like, wh- where does it stop? Wh- what's the cutoff, right? So how old does someone have to be until we're willing to say that they're at a point where they can still grow as a person and they can still sort of change. Um, I've asked several people this uh, that are arguing, well, he was just 16, he was just 16. Like, okay, so what's the age then that's too old to be saying this shit, you know? And the answers that I got was either, uh, fuck you, it doesn't matter, it's just a joke, (laughs) which is like the the majority of it, you know, like, oh, it's just, it's just a joke, man, it's a joke, like, okay, so you obviously are still, like, laughing at this kind of shit and making these jokes, and the other response was people basically telling me when they realized that it wasn't okay, right, so someone like, oh, I was like, well, I was a shithead until I was, like, 21 or 22, or like, well, I was kind of a piece of shit until I was 18 or 19, Okay, so it, it's it's kind of a sliding bar. Yeah, that really boils down to when it's someone that you like and it's someone that you think is good, it's bullshit. But when it's someone you hate and you think sucks, it's extremely good. Like to be fair to the to Carson King, he's has handled it like gracefully. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I thought his apology was good. And but yeah. and the thing is, like he's. I think the bigger point is that he's not being canceled by anyone. Like there is no canceling <laughs> no. going on here. Like nothing has even happened except for he's he's gotten like a bunch of people with their diapers in a twist about it, and like <laughs> nothing happened to the kid. He's fine. He's like still famous. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah, it was yeah. this thing that they found and like they had to report on because like they found it. Like they had to ask him about it. Like it's only right. like like Chuck said, it's doing your job as a journalist. Like whatever. I mean, it is pretty fucking offensive. Like that's the thing. It's like it can be offensive. It can be both. Like it can be both. It can be offensive and bad, and it can be like his life can go on. Like Jesus Christ. As far as I know, these tweets were not screenshotted or anything before he deleted them. So nobody other than the people who saw them beforehand actually yeah. know the content of yeah, the tweets. That's what? One of the worst parts about this, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen them. Jesus I don't know. Fucking Christ. I don't know what exactly he said. Um, two things for me. I'll say, at least personally, I'm lucky that most of the internet posting that went on when I was young, when I was a preteen <laughs> and teen, was happening anonymously, you know? Oh, yeah, that was really good. Lots of good anonymous shit. <laughs> well, no, I mean... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just told on yourself. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't recall like making racist jokes or anything like that, but certainly if I had been posting stuff under my real name when i was like young there's definitely embarrassing shit that would have been out there oh god yeah like parents (laughs) need to tell their kids like the possible consequences of posting stuff under your real name like that people can find it's public yeah like it's like simple like social media 101 like how to protect yourself how to like not cause problems for yourself yeah don't don't be like posting stuff on twitter under your real name until you're at least 30 you know (laughs) (laughs) don't just don't post man like just don't do it (laughs) people are extremely mad about this like 
They're yes, so they mad. I don't think we Why can overstate so the mad? extent that which people. I saw a video of a guy pouring out like a whole thirty pack of bush <laughs> yeah. light. Yeah. He like ripped the top off. So they just yeah. fucking came dumping out. And yeah. he reaches into his fridge and opens a Coors Light. Yeah, Co- yeah. There's like a whole like hashtag Coors for Carson. Oh yeah. Oh my god. So Ragbri also chipped in today, uh, fifty thousand dollars to it. And as you know, yep, yep, yep. Ragbri is owned by the Register, which is the same news publication yep. that made this article. Mm. Uh, go ahead, Iowa. Boycott fucking Ragbri and boycott Bushlight. <laughs> do it. I fucking dare you. Just do it. Yeah. Like, there's no one's gonna fucking do that. Like, no one's gonna care. Like, I. It's so ridiculous. This isn't a big deal. Like, this really is it's not a big so deal. It's so stupid. All of it's it is so, so stupid. stupid. All of it, except for the money, which is good. So we're not here to defend the Des Moines Register. They publish Joel Curtinitis regularly, so we're not exactly friends of the paper. But I think in this instance, they didn't really do anything wrong here, you know? No. Wait, so is this all about the article you just read? More or less, yes. That's it? That's all they said? People are framing Mm -hmm. this as uh, Aaron Calvin, you know, going to great lengths to smear this child as part of his uh, article on him. Just utter nonsense. Interestingly enough... uh, a couple of tweets of his popped up uh, that... Yes, of I course. Believe, yeah, of course. that's the corollary to the story. They didn't pop up. Let me tell the story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> go ahead. A certain, a certain friend of the show found him. Yeah, there's... Uh, if anyone knows uh, Mike Cernovich, <laughs> he is a... Uh, gorilla mindset. Yeah, gorilla yeah. mindset, Trump mindset. Um, he's a Trump guy. He denies that he's part of the alt-right. He is an alt-right funnel... Yeah. Like men's lifestyle guy. Yeah. And part of his pastime is basically employing like so-called cancel culture techniques against people on the left and digging up dirt. So literally within like an hour or two of this whole story, just the shit hitting the fan, Mike Cernovich was on the case, ready to go to Aaron Calvin's profile or Twitter profile and find whatever he possibly could, which he did. He found a bunch yeah. of, uh, I don't know if you have the tweets up there, but they're like a bunch I of- I don't, but uh, I know he made a, a fairly tame gay marriage joke. Yeah, there was some edgy, like edgy, dumb tweets. I will say too about those Cern- that Cernovich posts is uh, I- I got on Facebook the other day and I was looking and all of a sudden I saw a Mike Cernovich tweet in my fucking, on my timeline. I'm like, what in the fuck? Like <laughs> Something has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, cause somebody that I know that it was upset about the Carson King thing. They posted a screen cap of one of his, t- of his tweets calling the reporter out. And I'm like, do you know who this guy is? Uh, I-, I get that he's, you like this, this tweet he's making, but like this guy is, uh, an abysmal mm-hmm. fuckhead and <laughs> i'd message them privately i'm like dude this cernovich guy's not good like I, I get that you are you like this but uh i wouldn't want that on my page and then i scrolled and lo and behold i saw it again like <laughs> I, it fucking blew me away that all this started with this kid sign and it ended with my friends posting mike cernovich <laughs> tweets on facebook <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not even it's knowing like, any saga. of the background on the, who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, having no idea. Or like what yeah. his agenda is. Yep. I just hate this so fucking it's so much. Bad. I so just yeah, hate uh, Des Moines it. Register uh, posted a tweet saying, oh, we've become aware of uh, tweets made by one of our reporters and we'll be investigating. <sighs> and uh, oh a couple my God. days later, yeah. uh, they fired him. 
Okay, I have I have two more headlines I want to read, and then one more oh, article because okay. we need to report on this situation very thoroughly. <laughs> apparently, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's uh, a Des Moines Register staff report from September 25th. Headline is. Governor Kim Reynolds signs proclamation for a Carson King Day in oh. Iowa. So she's, of course, attached herself to this. Uh, and Carson King Day is today, September 28th, because he'll be participating in the wave at the Iowa um, Stadium today. It's already happened by now. Uh, yeah, it has. I, yeah. Yep. And here's uh, Carol Hunter in the Des Moines Register on Thursday, September 26th. Headline is, We Hear You. You're angry. Here's what we're doing about it. <laughs> I'm not going to read that article, but you know, you get the gist of it from the headline there. <laughs> and as Evan mentioned, uh, Aaron Calvin was fired by the register because of the backlash, uh, because he mentioned some racist tweets in this kid's past in the midst of a glowing review of the child's life. Sorry, he's not a child. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are calling him Mr. King now, yeah. by the way. Here's a BuzzFeed article where they interviewed Aaron Calvin. The headline is, The reporter fired in the Bush Light Guy scandal said he feels abandoned <laughs> by the Des Moines Register. <laughs> this is by Julia Reinstein in BuzzFeed, posted on September 27th yesterday. The Des Moines Register reporter fired in the wake of a scandal involving offensive tweets posted by a viral star he interviewed and then his own broke his silence Friday, telling BuzzFeed News he has been abandoned by the newspaper after following standard editorial practice by performing a social media search on the person he was profiling. This event basically set my entire life on fire, reporter Aaron Calvin said. Calvin, 27, was dismissed by the Iowa newspaper Thursday evening following criticism online in the wake of his article about 24-year-old casino security worker Carson King. Calvin told BuzzFeed News it's standard practice at the Des Moines Register to background check people they profile through court records and social media. I was reminded by an editor to background Carson, and I found a few tweets that he published in high school that were racist jokes. He said, I knew if I found them, other people would find them as well. Correct. Des Moines Register executive editor Carol Hunter declined to comment for this story. <laughs> what a fucking coward. Uh, Calvin said his editors told him to ask King about the tweets, so he did. Man, it's almost like he was just doing his fucking job as a journalist and like doing his due diligence to the creed that he's dedicated his life to. Yep, yep. <laughs> Upon publishing the story, Calvin said he was immediately met with criticism from people across Iowa who accused him of trying to denigrate a local hero. I will say that I have seen a lot of that. Um, myself. Uh, yeah. I have a couple mutual friends with Aaron Calvin, and I've seen the absolutely insane Facebook comments he's been attracting from all over the country. <laughs> like, this guy really, like, he needs to start a GoFundMe or some shit. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, probably. He really should. Yeah. Because he's, like, the actual person who got fucked in this whole stupid thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Carson King is fucking fine. This is the guy who actually got fucked. Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's Carson King Day right now. Like, yeah. we're we yep. recording yeah. this on Carson King Day. Huh. <laughs> Ugh, this poor fucking reporter. I had no idea. It's horrible. That's awful. He did what he, every step he was supposed to. Jesus fucking There's Christ. There's actual information here, so I'm going to keep going. Uh, but any media ethics debate about the newsworthiness of tweets written by someone when they were a teenager was soon swept aside by a tidal wave of harassment, doxing, and death threats Calvin received. Soon, influential right-wing media figures also began circulating screenshots of Calvin's own past offensive tweets that had been uncovered. Oh, boy. In posts dating back to 2010, Calvin had used gay as a pejorative, 
written fuck all cops there's nothing offensive about that by the way and (laughs) (laughs) and spelled out the word it's n-word with an a twice when he was quoting others including a kanye west lyric so he literally did not spell it out someone else spelled it out and then he quoted them (laughs) yes yes now that gay marriage is legal he wrote in one 2012 tweet i'm totally going to marry a horse oh boy that's really controversial it's it's so clearly like a satire of it's a right-wing tweet yeah, like yeah, uh, every it's like a fucking Rick Santorum joke, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Calvin told BuzzFeed News that these were frankly embarrassing tweets that he would not have published today, but said that they had been taken out of context and were being used to wield disingenuous arguments against me. Yeah, uh, yeah, sounds uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, Calvin said editors at the Des Moines Register directed him to apologize in a tweet, which he said he agreed to do because he was afraid and just trying to comply with what I was being told so that I could possibly hold on to my job. And just to remind you, we're looking at a 27-year-old newspaper reporter, and Carson King is 24 years old. We're basically looking at the same person here, honestly. (laughs) I truly can't tell the difference. (laughs) Uh, In the tweet, Calvin apologized for not holding myself to the same high standards as the register holds others. Yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> like Joker Nitus, who literally had an article yeah. where he said that like the N word is the last like taboo thing, and like why is that the case or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you literally have articles in your canon <laughs> that like say that <laughs> the N word is okay to say yeah. or should be okay to say yeah. because of free speech or whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. In reference to uh, Aaron Calvin's apology tweet, he said, "I regret publishing that tweet now." Because I was never trying to hold Carson to any kind of higher standard or any kind of standard at all. I was trying to do my job as a reporter, and I think I did so to the best of my ability. As soon as the story broke, Calvin said he began receiving a barrage of death threats. He said HR reps at Gannett, which owns the Des Moines Register, forbade him from speaking to the media and told him to leave his apartment for his own safety. They offered to put him up in a hotel, but he stayed with a friend instead. I recognize that I'm not the first person to be doxxed like this. This whole campaign was taken up by right-wing ideologues and largely driven by that force, he said. It was just a taste of what I assume that women and journalists of color suffer all the time, but the kind of locality and regional virality of the story made it so intense. On Thursday, while he was speaking to police about the death threats, Calvin said he got a call from Gannett representatives. Uh, They told me that they were going to offer me an option, that I could resign or I could be fired with no severance, he said. It was really a semantic difference, I guess, so I chose to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the right pow- on. That's the power move there. Like, make it clear that they... Yeah, that is definitely the correct choice. Yeah, make it clear that they yeah. are forcing you out. Yes. Uh, a Gannett spokesperson told BuzzFeed News the company does not comment on personnel matters. In the op-ed, in her op-ed, sorry, Hunter, the executive editor, wrote they were now evaluating how reporters perform background checks on subjects and what information should be published from those checks. She said their focus was partly on the shift in social media culture and how activities on those platforms reflect upon a person's newsworthiness in general. With regard to Calvin's firing, Hunter wrote today that they took appropriate action because there is nothing more important in journalism than having readers trust. King did not respond to a request for comment on Calvin's dismissal. Of course he didn't. Calvin said he hasn't heard from Gannett or his newsroom leaders since his firing, but said some of his former co-workers have reached out in support. Though Calvin said he regrets his tweets, he thinks they were taken out of context by bad actors to make him look like a racist and homophobe. 
As I said when I was speaking with Carson, I don't think people's past social media statements should be made to make blanket characterizations about them, he said. He also expressed his frustration about the false narrative about me canceling Carson. Carson was never in danger of being canceled. There was no attempt or intent to quote-unquote cancel him, Calvin said. He's raised hundreds of thousands more dollars since this happened. The governor of Iowa declared a Carson King Day. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love this guy. Yeah. Uh, And they include a Kim Reynolds tweet here that I want to mention. You can make a mistake in your life and still go on to do amazing things. At Carson King 2, thank you for reminding us all of that. Hashtag Iowa proud. (laughs) Oh my God. I hate all of it. So now we're praising him for his past racist tweets? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically. You heard it. Calvin said he's still afraid to go out in public and is still staying at his friend's house. He isn't sure what he will do next, but hopes he can keep reporting. I'm just taking it day by day. He said, I feel like I'm a good writer and a good reporter, and I was doing my job to the best of my ability. You know, this sounds awful familiar, doesn't it, guys? This sounds like a uh, certain adjunct English (laughs) professor at a certain local college here in Cedar Rapids that we touched on a while back. Yeah, that's interesting. It does. Yeah. It's interesting how only... The the social media posts that uh, express leftist sympathies seem to actually garner any real consequences for the individuals. Right, and zero consequences for the people that are threatening them. Mm-hmm. Calvin said he also still deeply believes in the necessity of local journalism. Frankly, it's really disappointing to me to be abandoned by my former employer, he said. I still, in a lot of ways, support the Register. I just wish they had believed in me. And thus concludes the Carson King saga, I hope. I never want to talk about this again. <laughs> no, we're done. I can't wait until the next twist, dude. Yeah, listen, unless something really, really fucking crazy happens, I do not want to talk about this ever again on the show. I mentioned to you guys earlier, and I'm letting you guys know too, I am muting Carson King on my browser. I don't want to see any of my news feeds. I don't want to pop up anywhere. I'm done with this story. I've had enough. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate this so much i hate everything about this story i had no idea that this poor guy got fired fuck this fuck just i just this country is stupid above all else this is a (laughs) stupid fucking country we're gonna boil in the sea and instead we're spending all this fucking time on this just jesus christ i just (laughs) just hate it i hate it i know how do we want to wrap this up because like i'm I think we should all just know, say man. fuck this and hang up. I'm exhausted. <laughs> no, we'll just say goodbye to our, our lovely yeah, listeners. Yeah, thank you for listening to this train wreck. Yeah, thank, thank you all for listening. Uh, can I can I quick plug? We have a Gmail account if you yeah, want to sure. send us hate mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rockhardhawkcaucus at Gmail. Uh, we need to cancel everyone mentioned today in all the stories that we read. Every individual who is named must be canceled. What you need to do is you need to cancel yourself in advance so that no one else can cancel you. That is the secret. Mm -hmm. And I recommend if you have anything in your history, anything in your past, especially if it's on the internet, public internet, that you cancel yourself immediately. I'm, my social media is uncleansable. I have (laughs) just said too many horrible things to me elected officials on Twitter. I'm 100% pure, so... I don't have anything to worry about either. I'm just going to get out ahead of the story. I hereby cancel myself, Justin Keith Comer. I cancel Chuck Yonda. (laughs) I am canceling Natalie Harwood, and I'm canceling Evan Jones. 
we have all been Thank canceled. Um, no need to send any death threats. We've already gone through all of this. Uh, <laughs> yep. We've all been doxxed. We've all been harassed endlessly. <laughs> We're hereby canceled. Absolutely. Officially- Amen. I get hella DMs. I get hella DMs from random dudes all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Officially and permanently canceled. Rock Hard Caucus is on the list of cancellations. Done. Yes, sir. Done. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> All right, so I hope everyone has a good Carson King day. Good night. All right. God bless. Happy Carson King day. (laughs) Fuck this. Oh, Jesus. (laughs)